Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Wing Cup extends his championship lead at the halfway point of the season. Hey, it uh, doesn't get any better than that. Graf grabs his first win. Um, this is every bit as important as our last Bathurst victory. And Tony fires one across the straight. I'll let the Tasmanian people make their own decision about what really has gone on there. That's all coming up today as the red lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. This news update is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Saturday, Garth Tander rebounded after a disappointing Darwin event to take his first win of the year at Townsville. In the context of all the changes made at HRT this season, yeah, I mean, a very important win for the team and the whole team because um, we didn't have a very good round at the previous round at Darwin. We certainly had probably the worst weekend in the team's history, certainly the recent history. So, to fight back the way the whole team did to give, be able to give me a car that was capable of running at the front, execute all our pit stops flawlessly, the strategy worked well. Every aspect of the team was was fantastic. Frosty was again fastest at Townsville, grabbing another pole position. That was awesome to get pole position and... uh you know, the car had a lot of relocking and qualifying, so drove it hard, wrung its neck and got some glory at the end of it. But in the end, it was Jamie Wincup who added a second points haul with Frosty coming home in third. Sunday and Wincup finished the job, taking a 1-2 finish from his teammate Craig Lowndes. Get a 1-2 finish in uh, those tough conditions with different tyre strategies is... Uh... It's an awesome result for the team. And- Wing Cup's sixth victory came on Sunday and he was pleased about going into the mid-season break with a championship lead. Really looking forward to the break now. Lowndes, the pole sitter, could not hold off his teammate. He opted to change our strategy a little bit. We reused yesterday's softs at the start. But then it sort of hindered us a little bit at the end. We didn't quite have the turn that we wanted. But uh, all in all, great to get a uh, second place up here. It's been a hoodoo track and we've been on the podium. With Winterbottom claiming his second third place finish for the weekend. The championship at the halfway point of the season looks like this. Wing Cup on 1,683 points. Lowndes on 1,497 points. Shane Van Gisbergen on 1,317. Rick Kelly in fourth on 12.44. Mark Winterbottom on 12.01. Will Davison on 1,200. Garth Tander in seventh place on 11.90. Stephen Johnson on 11.65. Alex Davison on 11.10. And Jason Bright rounding out the top 10 on 10.43. 
The V8 Supercars Commission was announced last week with Mark Scaife as the chairman-elect, but Scaife has told Channel 7 that he's not sure if he's ready to take the position if it means an end to his driving career. Um, it's a big decision for me because obviously retiring from full-time driving was a big one, but the endurance drives I really enjoy, so I'll, I'll, I'll have a little think and see what happens with that one. One of the biggest surprises of the announcement of the commission was the inclusion of Chris Lambden, the former motorsport publisher and previous race team owner and driver, as an independent commission member. The rest of the commission includes Tim Edwards from FPR who will initially chair the commission until the SCAFE situation is resolved, Ross Stone from Stone Brothers Racing, Brad Jones from Brad Jones Racing, Martin Whitaker, the V8 CEO, Shane Howard, the V8 Chief Operating Officer, make up the commission. The commission will meet regularly, normally a week before a V8 supercar board meeting. This one-week gap is to allow the board consideration time of the commission's decisions and recommendations. Tony Cochran has fired a broadside at the Tasmanian government in their dealings with V8 supercars over the Fork and Tyre Challenge. We look at this in more detail in this week's White Flag Lap. Up next, James Moffat and his rookie year continues. Then it's Peter Norton and Richard Crowell who'll join me. I hope you stay with us. News on the V8 Insiders is brought to you by the official V8X Magazine Facebook page. Sign up and keep in touch with V8 supercars. Take in the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Well, James Moffat joins us on the line and James, your rookie year gets to the halfway point. As you get to halfway through your first season... What are your thoughts on how you've developed? Well, look, so far, Craig, it's been a um, a pretty busy year. So uh, I've been doing uh, a lot more driving than what I've been uh, used to in the past couple of years with the development series. So I reckon I've probably done uh, over a season's worth of uh, development series racing um, already so far this year. So um, I guess I've really been enjoying that aspect of racing in the main game and racing a bit more regularly and longer races and, and all those types of types of things so uh it's obviously been great to be working with all the guys at jim beam racing and dick johnson and steve and um you know so far we've sort of been progressing pretty nicely we've had a couple of top 10 qualifying positions a couple of top 10 race results so uh look uh we want to sort of continue that form on in the second half of the year Mm. you're at the halfway point i would expect now your understanding of the team your understanding of your race engineer is now at a point where you can really develop yourself and your car speed. Yeah, look, I think it was probably um, pretty well documented at the end of last year, the sort of, I guess, the ownership struggles that DJR went through and, um, you know, the team sort of themselves came out at the start of the year and said, even though after winning the championship last year, um, you know, it probably seemed quite strange to many people that, you know, the team came out at the start of the year and sort of said that this year was very much a rebuilding year and, 
Um, I think that's sort of been a bit of the ca- a bit of the case, really. You know, we've had to sort of find a, a few new people to fill some some key roles within the team. Um, but you know, from a personal point of view, coming into the team, um, you know, it was a very big learning step for me. Um, obviously, trying to fit into the main game, but you know, my engineer Perry, he was also new to engineering a, a car for the first time this year. So, I think combined with the two of us learning. Um, as we go on, we sort of understanding each other a bit more, and um, Perry understands how I, you know, sort of want the car to be set up, or how I need the car to be set up to get the most out of it. So, um, from that point of view, things are starting to gel a bit better. And um, even though we sort of had a bit of a, a tough weekend as a team, probably in terms of race results on, on the weekend at Townsville, um, we probably had cars that were pretty quick in qualifying or good over one or two laps and you know we sort of demonstrated that by having Steve in the top 10 on on Saturday and then I was in the top 10 on, on Sunday so um, we, we had good cars in qualifying but not so good cars in the race which um, generally our Jim Beam Falcons are, are pretty quick in, in race trims so um, it was a little bit disappointing that we weren't um, as fast in the race as we would have liked but um it just means we've got a bit more work to do before Queensland Raceway. Hmm. Now, the mid-season break, as I mentioned, is upon us. What can James Moffat do to make himself a better driver in the second half of the year, knowing that you have this this break now? Well, we've, we do have a, a bit of a five- or six-week break, I think it is, but um, you know, we'll still be very busy in that period of time. We've uh, got a, a corporate ride day. Um, at Eastern Creek at the end of July for, for all our sponsors, so people like Jim Beam, Norton, Toshiba, uh, Ford, all those type of guys will uh, will be coming along to that ride day, and um, it gives us a chance to to uh, take some passengers for a ride in, in our race cars, which is always a great thrill. And then we've also got a um, a test day planned at, at Queensland Raceway um, in early August, early August, I should say, before the, the Queensland round. So. Whilst we have a, a five or six week break, we'll still be very busy in that period of time. And um, I know the engineers have got a few things that um, they're, they're currently designing and, and getting manufactured that we want to at least try in the test. And um, and possibly, uh, if if they are an improvement on what we have as a package, we'll uh, we'll definitely race with that for the rest of the year. Is this the point where you make or? David Siegel, your manager, makes some decisions about 2012. Look at the moment, Craig. I'm uh, I'm really sort of just focusing on on doing the best job I can um, each and every single race. And uh, yeah, I'm really enjoying my time at DJR. And um, you know, the contract will hopefully sort itself out. So uh, you know, from that point of view, I'm not sort of really too worried about next year or beyond. We're just uh, concentrating on doing the best and, and getting the most of, out, of it, out of ourselves and the team um, for the rest of the year. That's what you pay David for, isn't it, to worry oh, about that well, sort of stuff? You know, so, yeah, with a bit of luck, all that, that'll, uh, I think all that stuff should, should be able to sort itself out. But, um, yeah, when, we've, uh, when there's something to say on that, we'll, we'll say it. Okay, you had a chance to meet with the president of Ford Australia today as he toured round the, the Jim Beam Racing Factory. Yeah, it was great to um, to have have him along, the president from Ford, and um, yeah, we showed him through the factory and the cars, and um, it's always good to have uh, you know one of your, your supporters around and, and be able to, to show them um, what you do. So uh, great to have obviously the support of the Ford Motor Company and 
Um, Dick's just a long time um, Ford man, so hopefully uh, the Blue Oval um, continues to support DJR. Well, James, all the best and look forward to seeing you up there at Queensland. All right, thanks, Craig. Always a pleasure. The rookie year continues for James Moffat. We'll catch up with him after Queensland. But next, it's the round table with Pete Norton and Richard Crail. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Joining us this week, uh, it's the voice of Speed Week and just about every support category known to man, Richard Kral. How are you going, Kral? Hey, mate, I'm not that prolific. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> and, of course, from Inside Motorsport, it is Peter Norton. Good evening, Peter. G'day, Craig. Richard, how's things? Well, we're very going good, very good. pretty well for the halfway point of the season. We go into the, the mid-season break now, and uh, it's very interesting. Would anyone have picked, Richard, that Jamie Wincup would be leading the championship? Oh, it's the biggest surprise in world motorsport, isn't it? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, what's happened this year is we've we've been told again pretty emphatically how good Jamie Wincup is and, and how good Team Vodafone Triple Eight are, and it's just been another clinic from those guys this year. And uh, there's, there's almost... I got the feeling at the weekend at Townsville that... Uh, there was almost a li- there's almost a little bit of Red Bull going on there, and I, I hate to bring that up, but in the way that Wing Cup seems to have it over Lands, even when Lands can go and whack the thing on pole by a very good margin, it was a very good lap, uh, and Wing Cup just somehow or another at the end of the race found himself in front. Eerie similarities. I don't think there's as much tension between the two of them. They seem to get on okay, but look, Jamie Wing Cup is probably the best touring car driver we've seen for a long time, and he's showing that again. Peter? I, th- I think we're uh, understating how interesting the year has been. Sure, Jamie Wincup is uh, out in front, but uh, you know, we've had a range of different winners. He hasn't had it all his own way. It's been a good year. It's been an interesting year, but uh, following on your point, they did have the camouflage 1-2 at the end of the race, Richard, and that mm. really did uh, show where they're at at the halfway point of the season. Team to beat. For a good cause, too, guys. We've got to remember that, and and this is the point about Triple Eight that they actually do put back into the sport. Um, and there was a, you know, Townsville's a defence city. The, the the cause they were raising money for the um, the families of of, uh, of soldiers, uh, the, the centre up there that, that raises funds for that. So great cause. I heard Peter Jamison, who's the commercial manager of the team, saying they they had about a thousand units printed um, of shirts and stuff, and they sold them out within about 15 minutes on Friday morning and had to get more in. So massive you know, input from the fans to raise money for charity, which is a, a great initiative. Financially, Peter, this Townsville round has been very, very lucrative for the merchandise trucks because far north Queensland just absolutely love getting their one taste of it a year. 
Um, yes, it's it's fabulous. The Townsville is really quite uh, remote compared to the, all of the other rounds, and there's a lot of fans up there. So uh, you know, the, the fans travel from all across Queensland to get to that race, and uh, you know that's once a year opportunity, and they really get behind it, which is fabulous to see. Mm. And do you know what was great this year, guys, was that they've got the the war games going on off the coast with uh, the US down and involved in that, and, and one of the the battleships was docked at uh, Townsville's port. Uh, and the Marine Corps were in as well, and they had the Marine Corps do the flyover, which was awesome. But the number of uniformed personnel at the track and in and about the precinct really enjoying the racing was great. And I actually had a quick chat to a couple of the um, the Yankee soldiers come off the boat, and they really loved it, and they thought it was it was like NASCAR, but more accessible even, which is a great sort of uh, kudos, I guess, to the sport and how, how open it is um, from... You know, real racing fans who just like watching the odd NASCAR race here or there when they're back in the States. So I thought that was a good compliment, and it was great to see so many of them get out and, and really enjoy the event and the weekend in the city. It's a fantastic event. I'd put it in my top four or five events of the year. Uh, amazing atmosphere. The best thing is, though, as you two will well attest, being from uh, the warmest place in the world, Canberra, um, that it was just nice to go up there and whack some shorts and a T-shirt on for once. Yeah, in the middle of July. Hey, guys, what about Garth Tander's win on Saturday? It was uh, obviously a shot in the arm for the HRT, who had been going through one of their most dismal periods uh, after Darwin, but uh, they looked like they were right on the money. Oh, yes, by crikey, you you can't write them off yet, can you? Um, Things have looked pretty gloomy, and unfortunately on Sunday things were uh, gloomy again, but Sunday did remind us just how powerful they have been in the past and they can be again in the future. Um, Yeah, they've got a little bit of work to do still, but uh, you know, I think that they've uh, you know, written off the year in terms of the, the championship, of course, but it means that they'll be well-focused for Bathurst, uh, where you know, that team has a proud history. Uh, looking forward to seeing them uh, very competitive at Bathurst. And I think, I think a real galvanising effect from Garth showing a lot of commitment to re-sign. And if you were Garth Tandy, arguably you know, one of the top three or four guys in the sport at the moment, you know, you're at the top of your powers, but your team is not. There, are, there would be a lot of things going on in the back of your mind that, well, maybe I need to look greener fields. Maybe the paycheck can be bigger too. I've just had a, a daughter that I need to support as well. And, of course, congratulations to the Garth and Leanne for that. But I think, um, I think the fact that he committed to the team um, really galvanised them. And, you know, as Pete said, it, it really re- it reinforces how good they can be and how very, very capable Garth Tander is behind the wheel of a V8 supercar. And never count him out. I don't think it'll be the last race he wins this year. Um, Enduros are going to be very, very tough. I personally think that, um, with all due respect to Nick Perkat, that uh, James Courtney's got the better deal there with uh, Cam McConville. I think Nick's a little bit too green to be a realistic Bathurst winner. He's very, very good, don't get me wrong. But um, there's more wins to come from Toll HRT this year, and, and I think Garth bring that team with James Courtney back into being regular contenders sooner rather than later. Mm. And one big thing in the uh, Townsville race was, although Frosty again didn't show great, great pace on the soft tyre, he managed two podiums, which is no small effort. Yeah, they're getting better too, aren't they? I mean, they're working out this soft tyre problem. Their test they had at Winton recently was very good and they're getting They're still not there. And you've you got to ask questions. When you get four pole positions in a row... You know you've got one of the fastest cars in the field and you cannot convert to race victories. That's got to be frustrating. Yeah, he's called Mark Webber. Oh, did I say that out loud, oh, Peter? Oh, oh. Message board just lit up, Craig, with that comment. <laughs> Peter? 
Uh, yes, I, I think that uh, you know, FPR showed a, a good step forward. Uh, on Saturday, uh, their technical problems in getting the tyres to last, you know, they, they were still there. They were fast early, but it just faded so much compared to everybody else. Sunday, it looked like that was a bit better, but still not good enough. Um, it's good to see the progress coming. Let, let's keep an eye on them. Mm, well, it was certainly interesting as we hit the mid-season break. It's time for Guess and Go on the V8 Insiders. Gas and Go is brought to you by V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. Gas and Go on the V8 Insiders brought to you by V8X Magazine. It's on sale now. You can find out all about the American race and, of course, the juggernaut, which is Team Vodafone. Richard Crowell, it's interesting because uh, Rush Marketing is coming on board to market the V8 supercars, but James Erskine is still doing the TV deal. Uh, yeah, interesting. I think that's a case of going with something you know in, in terms of James. He's a, a proven commodity in, in negotiating. He knows the people very, very well that are that he needs to deal with at the networks to broker this deal. This is the most important TV deal V8 supercars will ever do. I, I, that might sound like I'm overstating it, but I think the way they're planning to expand the sport in the next five years, 18 rounds, more overseas, more domestic stuff, they have to get this TV deal right. It has to be right financially and it has to be right in terms of the airtime they get and what network it's on and how it all operates. So this is crucial and I think the decision to go with James Erksine to get the deal done is a good one. Um, as for the rush marketing, don't know a huge amount about them, but it's good to see them go proactive and, and get a professional company on board to do the marketing and actually promote the sport, which so many sports do incredibly badly. Hopefully they can uh, do a good job of it and keep building the brand. Mm. Peter? I absolutely agree that the next TV deal is critical uh, because at the moment the current one is a dud. Uh, and uh, so it has to raise some questions whether uh, Erskine is the right one because uh, he uh, has his fingerprints all over the one at the moment which isn't working. Peter, Tony Cochran has fired a, a major broadside against the Tasmanian government in the fact that they won't keep supporting the races going down down there. Perhaps he should have been in the camo gear. Uh, absolutely. The Tasmanian government, I think, have let down the, the sports fans in that state. Uh, what more can you say? It was a, a good event. Uh, hopefully it will be a good one this year to send it off. Richard? The, the other question we have to ask is, is this reliance on government money costing our fans an opportunity to go and see the racing? Is there a different way we can put on motor racing without having to rely on the government funding up the sanction fee all the travel. There has to be a better way to get V8s safe and functioning down in Tasmania. And and maybe this reliance on government money is costing our sport a little bit. And maybe that the sport as, as a whole, not just V8s, needs to look at a better way than just relying on government sports ministers and premiers to uh, agree to put on an event for three days a year. Maybe there needs to be a better way to look at Hugely disappointing for Tassie fans. They're, uh, they're going to miss out big time. Mm. Now, Richard, which of the new breed of drivers, if you were Roland Dane, would you be looking at in an expanded Triple Eight operation? Uh, oh, well, does Shane Van Gisbergen count as a new breed of driver? Yes, he does. Yeah, okay. Well, I think he's number one, surely. I mean, that, if you can prize him away from Stone Brothers, and I'm pretty certain I'll fight hard to get him, and I think he seems like a loyal kid that will, will stay there. I mean, he's, he's the next big thing, I, I think, surely. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'd go for Tim Slade. I think there's a lot of potential in Tim Slade. 
and he could go very, very well. And maybe James Moffat could be moulded into a Triple Eight driver as well. I think there's some names I'd look at. Peter. Um, continuing the theme of disregarding current uh, contractual arrangements, uh, if it was uh, open slather, uh, David Reynolds proved that he's got some speed yeah. over the weekend. Uh, having the right kit beneath him, uh, he could be a real, real powerhouse. All right, Peter. Franchitti and Will Power been into a bit of uh, Donny Brook in the open wheelers. Are we hoping that'll continue on when they get to the Gold Coast? Oh, absolutely. We need a little bit biff and barge. We need the, the, the white hat and the black hat and uh, all of that theatre that comes with some of the international sporting categories. And uh, for, a, for a family audience, we better not say uh, uh, what Power said about someone else. Mm. Richard, and this one Will was Power, Will Power did what Mark Webber, what Aussie fans have wanted Mark Webber to do for two years now, which is say what he really thinks. Um, I, I just so utterly in think that's fantastic and, and the way he dealt with it was great and more drivers sh- should not be withheld from those comments and full credit to Penske for letting him do it. Oh, look, I, I hope it comes down. I, I hope that they, they keep it clean and don't take their IndyCar squabble onto the racetrack here and, and hurt our teams and their budgets and put cars on the wall. But, you know, that kind of rivalry is so great for the sport and there needs to be more of it. I mean, Senna versus Prost, look what that did for Formula 1 in terms of exposure. So... Hey, great, bring it on. I hope they uh, go, go toe-for-toe at the Gold Coast in October. Mm. Now, it is the MSB. You're asking me what the MSB is, the mid-season break. Mm. Who will have the best, which driver will have the best injury, Richard, after this year's mid-season break? Because we had some crackers last year. The best injury. Do you know what I think? I think Garth Tander will come back from it having absolutely no break at all. Because he's got, what, a now three-week-old baby in the house. He is not going to sleep a week for the next four months or four weeks. So I think he'll come back pretty tired and, uh, and stressed, to be honest. Peter? I think that'll be the worst one. Well, if that's Canada's an injury, I think uh, Frosty's yes. doing okay. Uh, he had a little bit of a head start on, on moving through that, uh, that, that workload with uh, the addition to his family. Um, yeah, it's time for something a little bit out of the ordinary other than uh, you know, go-karting and mountain biking kind of injuries. Um, uh, well, as we see in the Tour de France, um, cycling injuries can be pretty nasty if you land in a barbed wire fence. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit stuck for something that's a little bit out of the ordinary, though. What about Rus- Russell Ingall as a... One of those random cars in those super cheap auto ads run over him or something like that. <laughs> Obviously only slightly injured him, but something random. That would that would be uh, worth talking about, wouldn't it? It would be indeed. That's Gas and Go for another week brought to you by VX Magazine. Gas and Go is brought to you by the V8X Magazine. Log on to the official V8X Magazine Facebook page for your chance to win some great prizes. On the other side of the break, we still have plenty to come with Richard and Peter. I hope you'll stay with us. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Richard Crowell and Peter Norton with me, Craig Ravel. And guys, as we uh, look at the final part of this show, it is interesting that we have seen the V8 Supercar Commission launched and probably the biggest surprise, Chris Lambden, 
former publisher of Motorsport News, is now an independent commissioner. Yeah, I, I, you know, it's an interesting one and probably created the most discussion out of all the, the panellists aside from one M. Scaife. People forget, though, that Chris is a former racer. Uh, he was a privateer in the sport for four or five years at a top at the, the top level in the ATCC in the 80s and 90s, ran a, a Skyline and a, a VL Commodore, and I think he ran a VN for a while there as well. Uh, was a pretty handy driver. So he understands the behind-the-scenes stuff as a team owner and a manager, um, and he's had... 25 years as a publisher as well under his belt so he understands what the media need out of it and I think that's a very good thing and obviously as a journal he's got a good understanding of what goes on with drivers and teams and, and the marketing and sponsorship and the whole thing so it's a pretty interesting interesting call it certainly came from left field and I'm good friends with the Motorsport News guys and they were very surprised when they saw Lambden up there they had no idea he was involved of course Chris is no longer involved in Motorsport News but he didn't even tell them so uh a great surprise, but I think it's a good idea. Someone from left field and we'll bring some fresh ideas in. Mm, what was the biggest shock, Peter, was it wasn't Richard Crail that was sitting on the board like he does <laughs> for uh, Formula 3 and every other motorsport of so, uh, motorsport organisation in uh, South Australia and uh, across this great country of ours. Well, that's right. If you look around the media room, there's plenty of candidates who think they've got uh, a very strong opinion and, and know what should be done in the sport. So uh, yeah, there's plenty of... Uh, uh, people who shoot their mouth off saying how things should be run. Uh, so it's actually interesting that uh, that Chris has been selected uh, because, as Richard pointed out, he's got a, a fairly unique mix of not just uh, having his finger on the pulse of what the fans uh, think about the sport and what makes a, an exciting race. Uh, for that, that was from his media side. You know, he's been there and done that. He's been in the, uh, uh, the hot seat driving. He's been in the, the, the team... Uh, ownership kind of uh, roles as well. It's a very good mix. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he performs in that commission, but uh, he's got the credentials to give it a shot. Mm. Now, of course, Scaifey, should he be the chairman? Shouldn't he be the chairman? Does he have to give up his racing? That is a, a hot question, isn't it, Peter? Um, yes, the obvious conflicts of interest uh, would arise there, and uh, I think the time will come, and uh, probably fairly soon, where he will be made to uh, make a, a decision one way or another. Uh, and it, it's a tough one for timing because he's still very handy behind the wheel, uh, and you know, for the endurance driving duties, uh, and that the, you know, the the ability to take what he. Uh, you know, learns in the in the boardroom and uh, reinvest that back into uh, you know, Team Vodafone. You know, people aren't going to like it. Uh, time has to come real soon for him to make a choice one way or another. Yeah, and it's interesting and, and good points, Pete. I, I agree with that. I think it's interesting for me most of all that he's decided, and I think this is a decision that's been made, despite him saying otherwise, that that he, even if it is subconsciously, I, it's interesting he's putting the sport above his personal driving ambitions and, and a weight. So to be honest, he's getting paid good money to drive a triple eight. Um, I find that very, very interesting that he's willing to, to look at taking two years out from being a co-driver. And, and let's be honest, if he does that, he's not going to co-drive at Bathurst again because he'll quickly be replaced by a younger, faster version. I think that's really interesting. I think it's frankly really good because Mark Scaife has done a lot for the sport in the last five or six years. Um, I, I, for one, hope he continues on the TV because he's a very, very good TV commentator. Um, but, you know, he's made a call and, and I think it's going to be good for the sport because he clearly knows where it's at 
he's sort of that that younger sort of demographic. I, I know he's in his forties, but I seem to think he thinks a bit younger, and and he's probably got a younger fan base than a lot of the other people that are involved in that commission. So he might well relate a little bit better as well. So big call though um, in terms of his career, but and I, I support him for doing it. So mm. it's a good one. Peter and I still think he's uh, too young to quit driving. I'm sure, but interesting though. The two jobs that get paid on the commission, there are only two, and that's Chris Lambden and the chairman. I'm wondering if Scafie's getting a commission wage whilst he's chairman-elect, or is that money going to Tim Edwards? I don't think so. I I don't think they'd do that. There'd be too many um, questions asked by the waiting motorsport uh, vicious press like yourself, Craig. I don't don't think they'll um, do that. I I think that they've made it pretty clear that um, Tim Edwards is in there until Mark Scafie finishes his commitments with Team Vodafone and he'll jump in. So Tim's getting the money? Oh, look, I'd, you'd, ex- you'd expect that, wouldn't you? That would make logical sense, surely. Peter? Uh, I don't know enough about it. <laughs> but uh, one thing I do find uh, interesting, and I guess it completes the loop, uh, when Mark Scaife retired, he spoke of having, uh, uh, having sat down and planned out and documented uh, the business plan to uh, have the, the reinvented Mark Scaife number two. Uh, what his uh, you know, profile would be in the public and what sort of uh, you know, roles and responsibilities he was going to pursue. And uh, it looks like he's, uh, in a very business-like way, uh, gone ahead and built you know, this version number two, the career number two, that's going to keep him very busy, very relevant uh, in the, the sport that he loves. And uh, I think uh, congratulations have to go to him for doing such a thing in such a uh, methodical way. Mm, well, two people that are always relevant, uh, Peter Norton and Richard Crail, and it's great to have you on the show again this week. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Pete. Good to talk to you. Thanks, fellas. Thanks very much to Peter and Richard. On the other side of the break, it's the White Flag Lap here on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Tony Cochran was quite candid in his comments about his dealings with the Tasmanian government. Here's what he had to say about how Tasmanian government came to V8 Supercars to talk about changing the contract. The the facts are very simple. In in November of last year, the Tasmanian government, the then Premier, came to us and said, can we do a new three-year deal? We said yes. We signed a new three-year deal. Within three to four months of that, they said they've got major economic problems down there. Can we reduce the three-year deal to one-year deal? We reluctantly agreed. We were, you know, we weren't happy about it, but we respected their point of view. So we we changed. We did a one-year deal. After changing the contract, Cochrane was quite surprised to hear that they were going after AFL football. Now, when you know we we were asked three or four weeks ago, uh, you know, what's happening in Tasmania, we we say correctly that you know, this is our last year there. They come out and accuse us of, uh, us of sabre rattling. I mean, hello. They're the ones who went off and clearly spent the money they saved on the AFL. For Cochrane, he can't understand why they'd go after AFL football when the difference between what AFL brings and what V8 supercars bring and the duration for the money doesn't seem to add up. Hello? For, for 80 players to come down for one night, 600000 a game, versus you know the 450 we bring and the 280 tonne of 
freight and for four or five nights. Certainly Cochrane is well aware of the position it leaves Tasmanian racing fans with no V8 supercar rounds scheduled for 2012. I'll let the Tasmanian people make their own decision about what really has gone on there. My thanks to Tony Cochrane there as well as Peter Norton and Richard Crail, of course James Moffat and his rookie year. As the checker flag waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.